Way City Church, located in Woodbridge, Virginia, is led by Pastor Marlon Yearwood and exists to reach the lost and disciple the believer. So today we continue in our book series in the book of Jonah. And the book of Jonah was, was likely written between 793 and 758 B.C. Um, the book is, is written in the third person. The book of Jonah is written in the third person, as you would see. And the traditional view is that Jonah is the author um, of this book. And there's no persuasive reason for us to theorize um, about unknown authors, as many have done. Um, some people believe it's an unknown author as well. But um, the traditional view is that Jonah is, uh, is the author of, of this book. So last week we were in Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 16. And last week we covered a lot but we specifically highlighted the sin of Jonah before the storm, the sin of Jonah before the storm, the sovereignty of God in the storm, and the salvation of the sailors after the storm. So the sin of Jonah before the storm, the sovereignty of God in the storm, and the salvation of the sailors after the storm. Let us reread Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 16 for the sake of recap. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Verse 4, But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the marinas were afraid, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us, so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Verse 8, then they said to him, please tell us for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And what people are you? So he said to them, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Verse 11, then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not. For the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. 
Therefore, they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life and do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. So again, we see Jonah's sin before the storm, sovereignty of God in the storm, salvation after the storm. Today, as we continue, we're going to pick up here in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 17, and we're going to continue through the end of Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2, we look at uh, Jonah's prayer and God's answer. To summarize Jonah chapter 2, it is Jonah's prayer and God's answer. But Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I want you guys to understand that the the fish that God sent to Jonah or for Jonah was not for judgment, but it was for mercy. This fish that God sent was for mercy and not for judgment. And without God sending this fish, we all understand that Jonah would have definitely drowned in the sea. So for the, for the sake of us um, understanding in our English language, I think a, a better translation, and some other translations do say this, would be this, the Lord appointed or, or assigned a great fish. And the reason why I say that is because this was not a a spontaneous act of God like at creation, where God just created um, a fish on the spot, which he could have done. But this was an assigned and appointed fish that he had already previously created, and now he had called this fish and assigned this fish to be right there by the boat when Jonah came off the boat. God assigned and sent this fish on a mission to swallow Jonah. And the fish was obedient to that mission. And the purpose of that mission was salvation. Salvation for Jonah. We understand that salvation also includes safety and preservation. And that's what the fish offered to Jonah. Salvation. Now, I, I, I thought about just taking um, all of my time today and just preaching from Jonah chapter 1 and verse 17 because it's so full and there's so much in it. Uh, but that would turn this uh, four-week series into a five-week series. So um, I chose not to. <laughs> so we're going to continue in Jonah chapter 2. Uh, but yeah, the Lord God prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And we'll get to um, some of the things that Jesus said about that next week, God willing. So after hearing the story of Jonah, uh, a Sunday school teacher, um, a little girl, heard the story. She loved the story. 
she went to school on Monday and she repeated the story to her teacher. And her teacher says to the little girl, she said, hey, this is absolutely impossible. There's, there's absolutely no way that, um, that Jonah was swallowed by a great big fish. And the girl said, well, that's not possible because it happened. The Bible says that it happened, so it had to have, have happened. So the teacher began to um, reiterate her, her um, concerns about this story. And she tells the little girl, it didn't happen. There's no way that it happened. It cannot happen. End of situation. The girl says to the teacher, she says, well, listen, we'll see. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask Jonah whether this happened or not. Teacher said, well, what if Jonah's in hell? The little girl replied, well, then you can ask him. <laughs> so so the, story, the story of Jonah has come under a lot of scrutiny. That's why I told that, that little joke. It's come under a lot of scrutiny uh, from, from unbelievers, obviously, um, to... Uh, to Bible, <laughs> to Bible teachers, um, Bible commentators, to scholars. So it's come under a lot of scrutiny uh, about the authenticity of this book. And next week, God willing, I'm going to cover some of those uh, concerns or questions that arise from the book of Jonah, and we'll cover some of those things. So um, how, how did this happen? You know, one of the questions, people want to know, how, how did a prophet of God, a, a divine, a, a prophet that received a divine order from, from the Lord, how did he not initially obey God's command? That's, that's the first question, but we'll get into some of those next week. All right. Acts chapter 1, first act, I mean, act 1, scene 2 of the book of Jonah, broken into two acts, as we spoke about. This is act 1, scene 2. In the opening of Act 1, we see the first scene taking place on a boat. Scene 2 of Act 1 is a... Jonah finds himself in a belly of a huge, huge fish, a great fish. That's how the second scene begins. I've divided the verses like this. Verse 1 and 2, Jonah remembers the Lord. Verses 3 through 6, Jonah sees the result of his sin. And then uh, verse 7 is kind of solo. We'll get to that. And then verses 8 through 10, Jonah's salvation. So Jonah remembers the Lord. Jonah sees the result of his sin. And then Jonah's salvation. So let's go into the deep and see what happened with Jonah. Verses 1 and 2, Jonah remembers the Lord. Verse 1, then Jonah prayed. We can pause right there. Then Jonah prayed. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. Then Jonah prayed. Finally, Jonah has been broken. We spoke last week about his, his running from the Lord, his hardness of heart, his stubbornness, all throughout chapter 1. And this is the first time where we see Jonah, the prophet, praying. So finally, Jonah has been broken here. His, his stubbornness has subsided and for the first time in the story, he prays. Jonah prayed. Jonah had what you could call a dry season. He was the, the prayerless prophet for a while. But Jonah prayed. Who did he pray to? Jonah prayed to the Lord. And it's important that you, that you follow with me today or you're going to get lost as we go through this verse by verse. 
So Jonah prayed to the Lord. So he, he looked up, finally. He prayed to the Lord. He looked up, finally, after his continual downward spiral that we spoke about in chapter 1. He finally looks up to the Lord. Jonah had attempted to flee from the very presence of the Lord. And we said last week that as Jonah attempted to flee from the presence of the Lord, his downward spiral began. In chapter 1, verse 3, he went down to Joppa and found a ship going down to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went down into it. Verse 5, Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship. And the Bible says, and he laid down. So Jonah prayed to the Lord. Finally, he's, he's looking up, and he prays to the Lord, his God, the Bible says here, his God. So God is still Jonah's God. Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. Wow. So God is still Jonah's God. Yes, no. I want you to understand that, that, that God did not stop becoming Jonah's God when God did not stop becoming Jonah's God when Jonah fled from the presence of the Lord. He, he stayed with him. He stayed by his side. He did not stop becoming his God. But he, he stuck with him. He, he stayed with him. He remained with him. And he continued to be his God. Even in his disobedience. Rebellion and, and his stubborn heart. He stuck with him. And that was how Jonah was able to call upon him. Because God was right there. That's how in Jonah chapter 2, in the fish's belly, Jonah was able to call upon God because God didn't forsake him. So he was able to call upon him because he never left Jonah's side and he never forsook Jonah. And when we are faithless, he remains faithful. Because he's faithful to himself. He's, he's faithful to his word. And God had called Jonah for a special purpose. You see, God did not only pursue Jonah for salvation, but he continued to pursue him in salvation. He didn't only pursue him for salvation, but he continued to pursue him in salvation. And the parable of the lost sheep, for me, is a reminder of this. The, the sheep was, was lost, and the shepherd pursued and, and sought after a, a sheep that was once a part of the flock. And he went after a, a sheep that was once a part of the flock that had strayed. And he went and he brought him back. Sometimes people have, have a mindset that God pursues us for salvation, which he does. But he continues to pursue us in salvation. Amen? Amen. Now, now I want to be very careful here. Jonah's fellowship with God was interrupted, most definitely. His fellowship with God was interrupted. But not because of God, because of Jonah. That's what sin does. 
right? So Jonah's sin interrupted his fellowship and his communion with God. But that was because of Jonah, not God. So Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. You can literally speak to God anywhere. You can speak to God anywhere. From the fish's belly. Jonah is speaking to God. Amen? Verse 2. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And God is okay with this. Whatever the, the reason is that, that causes you to cry out to him, he's okay with it. I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. Just as long as you cry out to him, God doesn't care where or why you cry out to him. And Jonah's being honest here. He's saying, man, the, the reason I cried out to God was literally because of my affliction. That's, that's why I cried out to him. He's being completely honest. The only reason why he cried out was because of his circumstances. That's why he cried out to God. Had he not been afflicted, he would not have cried out to God. So he's being very honest here in his prayer. And to be honest, I mean, that's, that's the only way some Christians cry out to God, is because of their affliction. I mean, usually it's the, it's the more stubborn ones, but, but it's true. Many Christians only cry out to God because of their affliction. And he answered me. And he answered me. He still answered. God still answered. Amen? And he answered me. And he answered. God is good. And he still answers Jonah in this situation. So not only can you, can you literally cry out to God and call out to God anywhere, but he also can both hear you anywhere and he can answer you anywhere. Amen? Out of the, the belly of Sheol, I cried and you heard my Voice. Sheol is the abode of the dead. It's the grave. It's the underworld. A place under the earth, also known as Hades in the New Testament. So Jonah says, I was, I was in the belly. I was in, I was in the womb of the dead. This is Jonah describing his affliction. Right now, he's, he's describing his affliction and it was like I was in the depths of, of the heart of the earth. He's, he's sunk into the earth, and he cannot go down any lower. His, his downward spiral of chapter 1 has caused him to be in this place, and he cannot go down any lower than where he's at. This is, this is it. This is rock bottom for Jonah. And Jonah is describing his affliction. He's describing his rock bottom to the Lord. But God. But God, there is no place where you can go. No place where you can go, no place where you can run from the presence of the Lord. 
no place, no place where you can go, where he cannot hear you, where he cannot reach you. Psalm 139, 7-12, we read this last week. Let's read it again really slowly. Jonah's describing his rock bottom, but God. Psalm 139, 7-12. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in, in hell or Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. Jonah. Last week we spoke about what would have crossed his, his mind for him to think that he could have fled from the presence of the Lord. Jonah, Jonah knows the Psalms. Chapter, chapter 2 has several quotes from the Psalms. So Jonah knows the Psalms. He probably knew Psalm 139. But he somehow believed that he could pull it off. And now he finds himself in the fish's belly. Rock bottom. Speaking about his affliction before the Lord. Verses 3 through 6. Jonah sees the, the result of his sin. Verse number three, for you cast me down into the deep. So again, Jonah was going down, 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 down. Four times, chapter one uses the word down in reference to Jonah. But Jonah, let me tell you this, Jonah never anticipated that he would end up this deep. Jonah never anticipated that he would end up this deep this far down. You've heard me say this before, but sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go. Sin will cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. And sin will keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. This is sin. This is sin. And, you know, the, the, um, the person who, who, uh, who actually gets the credit for that, that quote, uh, I've heard it quoted so many times over the years, I kind of, I've adjusted it and made it my own over the years. Um, but, but what I've heard, I don't know whether it's true or not, but um, Ravi Zachariah is the one that gets the, um, the credit 
for, for that, that quote. I'll leave that there. Whatever you think the, the consequence of your sin could be, whatever you think the, the consequence of your sin could be, times that by 10,000. Because it's always going to be so much worse, so much more worse than you could ever, 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 ever imagine or think. Hell is worse than you could ever imagine. Whatever you think hell is like, however you imagine hell to be in your mind, so much worse. So much worse. Are you hearing me this morning? I, I, I hope that you are. This is, this is sin. For you cast me into the deep. And I, I don't know, Jonah, you know, did, 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 did God cast you into the deep? Or did you cast yourself? I don't know. Did, did God cast you into the sea or did you cast yourself into the sea? Perhaps it's both. God, maybe, yes. But it was a consequence of his disobedience. It was a consequence of Jonah's disobedience. And Jonah would have never known the heart of the seas, the, the surrounding floods, the, the belly of Sheol. He would have never known this or experienced this. This would have been foreign to him if he just obeyed God. He would have never known this path. He would, have, he would have never seen the things that he saw and, 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 and smelled the things that he smelled and tasted the things that he tasted. He would have never known this path if he was just obedient to God. And there are always two paths. There are always two paths. There are always two ways. Always. The Bible speaks about this. The, the path of obedience and the path of disobedience. There are always two paths. And each path takes you on a completely different journey and will bring you to a completely different end. Each path. Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Therefore, choose life. Continuing, into the heart of the seas, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Jonah acknowledges again God's sovereignty that this is, this is all, all his. It's all his. Into the heart of the seas, the floods surrounded me, all your billows and your waves, they're yours, they, they passed over me. Verse 4, then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. This is what Jonah said. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. The very thing that, that Jonah initially desired was to be out of the presence of the Lord. This was the very thing that he initially desired and, and sought after. 
And now Jonah realizes in, in the belly of the great fish that was not such a good idea. He realizes that now. He realizes it was not a good, a good idea and he realizes that his actions were not right. And I'm sure it was pretty lonely in the fish's belly. But then he says, yeah, I will look again toward your holy temple. He, he's seeing now, he's, he's acknowledging his sin and he says, yeah, I will look. Yeah, I will look again toward your holy temple. He said, I want to be in your presence again. I want to be in the, in the fullness of your presence again, in obedience to you again. I will look again toward your holy temple. Not like this. In the belly of the fish, but like before. Worshipping you in the temple. The temple, as you know, is symbolic for a place of worship. And it's also literal as a place of worship. Of worship. So when Jonah says, yeah, I will look again towards your holy temple, this is also a statement of faith that Jonah is saying from the fish's belly. He's saying, I will literally see the physical temple again. He's saying, I will see the physical temple again. In other words, Jonah was confident that God was going to deliver him. He was confident. Of that. Verse 5, the waters surrounded me even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. Verse 6, the earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. Again, verse 5 and 6, the waters surrounded me even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God. Verses 5 and 6 continues to show Jonah's distress and anguish. He's, he's communicating his, his distress and his anguish. He is bound. He's bound. He's imprisoned. He's a captive. He's helpless. And there is absolutely nothing that Jonah can do to help himself. There is absolutely nothing that Jonah can do to get himself out of this situation and the lifestyle that he's now found himself in. Nothing. He's, he's not in the valley, he's, he's beneath the valley. And in fact, he's, he's beneath rock bottom. He's in the depths of the sea. And there's nothing he can do to help himself. He's uncomfortable. Maybe his breathing has been challenged for the past three days. It's dark, smells. And then the end of verse 6, Jonah speaking faith again. Yet, you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. 
Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. This is similar to Job 33, 28. He will redeem his soul from going down to the pit, and his life shall see the light. Verse 7. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. So Jonah was not only affected physically from this. His soul faints, the Bible said. His his soul is weary. He was affected physically, spiritually, and emotionally. In every way, in every single way, Jonah was affected. But when my soul fainted, I remembered the Lord. Again, this is the only time when, when some people remember the Lord. It's, it's in times like this. When their soul faints, they look up and they remember the Lord. That's, that's some of your, your own testimonies. I like that. Very similar. Your soul fainted. You found yourself at the bottom and you looked up. Whenever God's people who were ever in bondage in the scriptures, whenever they remembered the Lord, it was a game changer. Book of Judges teaches us this. Whenever God's people remembered the Lord, it was a game changer. Unfortunately, though, in the book of Judges, we also learn that God's people often have amnesia. They quickly forget what God has done. And every time that the people of God forgot God, downward spiral, they found themselves in the deep. They found themselves at rock bottom. And then they looked up remembered the Lord, and he sent a deliverer. And Judges repeats this cycle. This pattern is all throughout the book of Judges. And then they remembered the Lord, and then they cried out to the Lord. They cried out to him, they remembered him, and God delivers. For some people, repentance is only possible at rock bottom. For some people. You know, my mom used to have a saying, if you don't hear, you'll feel. If you don't hear, you will feel. That's a, that's a saying that my mom used to have. And I, and I grew up hearing that. If you don't hear, you're going to feel. And basically what that means is, um, when I say don't touch the stove, don't touch the stove. Because, because I know better than you do. And you may well, well, why can't I touch the stove? Um, it's hot. Well, how hot is the stove? You know, can I just touch the stove really, really quickly and move my hand and it will be okay? And there's all these questions that we ask. And it's like, okay, some people have to touch the stove. They didn't listen, so now they, they fell. And they'll never touch the stove again. So you have, you have the folks that, that hear, right? 
You have the, the wise men. The Bible says uh, in Proverbs, a wise man will hear and increase learning. Right? So a wise man will hear and increase learning. So you speak to the wise man and he takes heed. He's like, okay, I'm going to learn from you. But, but the fool, though, right, like he sees danger and he's, uh, he's self-confident. He's like, yeah, I see, I see uh, everyone else walks down this street and they fall into the pit. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump over it. He, 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 he's, he's self-confident. But when he hits the bottom, he feels. And he says, man, I should have never jumped in the pit. So, Jonah here, he didn't listen. He was disobedient, so he had to, he had to feel. Jonah had to feel because he didn't listen. Saints of God, take heed to that lesson. If you don't listen to God's word, if you don't hear, you will always feel. Always. If you don't hear, you'll feel. Verse 8 through 10. We're going to get to to Jonah's salvation here. And and there are degrees of salvation, right? The, The Bible speaks about us, you know, where we're saved. As you heard me say, right, we're, we're being saved, and we will ultimately be saved, right? So the, the, the fish comes, and that's salvation for Jonah right there, right? The fact that Jonah didn't drown and die, praise God. Like, that's, that's salvation. But there are uh, deeper levels to that. So uh, verses 8 through 10, Jonah's salvation. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. In this case, Jonah's idol was himself. In this case, Jonah's idol was himself. And that is usually the case for believers that know God's word. Usually believers that know the word of God, they don't have idols in their home. They don't. But usually for believers... They have the same idol that Jonah had. It's the idol of self. That idol is a little more discreet. No one really sees it. No one can come in your home and say, hey, pull that down. So Jonah's idol, those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy, Jonah's idol was himself. It was self-will over God's will. Self-will over God's will. And whenever you look to something, to anything, whatever it may be, that is not God, you forsake your own mercy. Because by you looking to whatever else is not God, you're actually turning away from God. And as you turn away from God to look to whatever you desire to look to, you're forsaking your own mercy because God is the only one that can offer you mercy. And you're turning away from Him. In, in search of something else. You're turning away from the only one who can actually grant you mercy. Verse 9, but I will sacrifice to you. Verse 9 is beautiful, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. But I will sacrifice to you, Jonah says, 
With the voice of thanksgiving, I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Faith, again, is evident here. Jonah says, I will sacrifice to you again, and I will pay what I have vowed. But interestingly, Jonah is saying this while he's still in the fish's belly. He's saying, I will sacrifice to you again. I will, I will pay what I have vowed. But he's saying this from the fish's belly. He has not been delivered physically yet. But he sounds like a free man. This tells me that deliverance begins internally before we ever see the results externally. Jonah saying, I am going to, I will sacrifice to you again. I will pay what I have vowed. And he's saying this while he's still a captive. Jonah's circumstances and situation are still exactly the same. He's been in there three days, nothing has changed. But now he's speaking about the sacrifices and vows unto the Lord. You see, Jonah, he's, he's repented. He's, he's seen his sin and he's purposed within his heart that he will fulfill his vows at any cost. Jonah made, made a vow unto God as a prophet. He made a vow unto God. And now Jonah is saying, I will do whatever it is that I've been called to do. I will do exactly what I've been called to do. As a prophet of Jehovah, I am going to do what you've called me to do. Starting with Nineveh. But not only there, not just Nineveh, but he, he has repented here and he's saying, I will, I will continue my prophetic duties. I will continue in that. Verse 10, so the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Jonah did not die for his sin. Jonah did not die for his sin when he should have. Because of the supernatural intervention of the Lord. Only because of the Lord. Now, all of this happened on, on, the, third, on the third day. We started chapter 2, then Jonah prayed. This is... a a reminder, too, of Jonah's his, his continual stubbornness. The, the understanding there is that Jonah didn't pray until day three. Jonah's, Jonah's literally in the belly of the great fish for three days before he prays. I don't know what he's doing. I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm not going to Nineveh. I can, I can die in here, but I'm not going. I don't, know, I don't know what he's doing. But we saw in chapter 1 clearly his stubbornness, and it continues. It, w- it was finally on the third day that Jonah prays to the Lord. And his, and his will is broken on the third day. And it, you know, you know, I wonder, you know, how long Jonah's, you know, repentance and, and, and you know, the realization of his sin took. You know, you, I mean, 
but he, but he, finally, he finally gets it. And I also wonder if this prayer that Jonah is walking us through, if it was, you know, if this prayer was a, was a few hours or, or a few minutes. Either way, this, this entire prayer that we read today, again, it's, it's Jonah's prayer, right? That's all it was. This entire prayer leads up to this, to verse 9. This entire prayer was leading up to verse 9. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. I want you to understand, this entire prayer, this entire chapter is leading up to verse number 9, which we read, but I will sacrifice to you. Jonah is saying his will has been broken. And he's saying, okay, but now I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And it is almost as though God was waiting for, for verse number nine. He was waiting for it. He was, he was waiting for full repentance from Jonah. And then I picture verse nine running directly into verse number 10 as instantaneous. Boom. Jonah spoke out of the abundance of his heart in verse number 9, and then just moments later, he's on dry ground. That's how I envision it. Jonah finally comes to the realization of his sin. He repents. He says, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what you've told me to do. Salvation belongs to you. And then moments later, he's on dry land. And it's like, that's all the Lord wanted Jonah. But he had to go through all this. Day one, he could have repented and been on dry land. Day two. But it was day, it was day three. All throughout this book, you'll notice that, that God, that Jonah is, is clearly the object of God's compassion all throughout all throughout Jonah. Jonah is, is clearly the object of, of God's compassion. God is continually merciful and compassionate with Jonah and slow to anger with him all throughout this book. As we conclude here today, Jonah did not clean himself up because Jonah could not clean himself up. He did absolutely nothing at all to contribute to his deliverance and his freedom. I want you to understand that. He did nothing at all, apart from repent. It was, it was, his, it was his disobedience that got him there. And he did nothing to, to contribute to his deliverance and his freedom. Apart from his, his repentance and his, and his looking to the Lord. But, but God did it all. Jonathan Edwards says this, you contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin that made it necessary. You contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin that made it necessary. When a person who cannot swim 
is drowning, there's nothing they can do to help themselves. They can't swim. They don't know how. And there's absolutely nothing that they can do to help themselves. And I've actually heard that sometimes if someone jumps in to try to save them, sometimes it can be dangerous. The one that's trying to help them, they begin to resist that individual. So I've also heard of stories like this. I've heard of, of individuals that have been drowning and someone jumped in and knocked them out in order to save them. They did, they contributed absolutely nothing to their salvation, to them being saved. Nothing. They couldn't swim. They were passed out. And someone came in and saved them and pulled them out. That's it. That's it. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is that person for you and for me. Amen? He's the one that came specifically for you, specifically for me. Jesus Christ. We, we could not help ourselves. The Bible says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And he came and he rescued us and he brought us back to life and he called us to himself. Jesus did that for you. Your situation on the surface may be a little different than, than Jonah's situation. But here's the thing, both Jonah and you, you're both, you're both going to die. And God brought salvation to you. Amen? Not through a well or a great fish, but through his son. Jesus Christ. Let's stand up here. Please. Bow your heads, please. Jonah's life was transformed on the inside of the great fish. Not by his works. Not by outward works or expressions. Jonah was in a place like Sheol because of his own sins. And God rescued him. God rescued him. Take a few moments and, and think about your own life. Perhaps there's a sin that the Holy Spirit will bring to your attention that you are currently in right now. As we spoke last week, every sin brings a storm. But if not corrected, you will find yourself in a place 
where you never thought you would be. And I invite you to, to look to the Lord this morning and to give that sin to Him. To give it to Him. Give Him that sin. Look to Him and give your sin to Him and He will take it from you. Jonah knew and thought that he was going to die. He, he knew for sure, oh, man, I'm, I'm going to die. But God. But God. But God. But God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Father, for Jonah chapter 2. We thank you for um, his, his prayer to you and your deliverance uh, for Jonah. Thank you, Lord God Almighty, that we see the, the different degrees of salvation, that we see um, salvation when, when the great fish came, but then we also see a transformation um, in, in Jonah's heart, an inward transformation while he's in the great fish's belly. Uh, and he repents in that place, uh, he, he grows in that place, uh, and, he, and he looks to you in that place uh, again. He continues to remember you in that place. Uh, and Father, we thank you for your goodness, we thank you for your grace, we thank you for your mercy upon us. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have this morning, Father, to, to partake in, in communion. We thank you that your body was, was broken and crushed for us. We thank you that your blood uh, was shed for us. Thank you that you have offered us salvation through yourself. Through yourself. Through yourself. You gave yourself for us. And this morning we are reminded of your sacrifice. We are reminded of your blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins as we look to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you and we pray. Amen. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at thewaycitychurch.org.